Well, here's my first question. Do you think it's a little dangerous handing out guns in a bank? Did you know they give Academy Awards to documentaries, even though they're an extremely boring genre that nobody cares about? That's what we learned this week in An American Carol. Hello, welcome to Michael and Us, a depressing, nostalgic tour to the life, thought, and influence of Michael Moore. My name's Will Sloan. With me, Luke Savage. This week we watched An American Carol, which has the distinction of being a right-wing comedy that's mostly about Michael Moore, directed by David Zucker, who you will remember, along with his brother Jerry and their associate Jim Abraham, uh, directed and wrote Airplane, Top Secret, and The Naked Gun. So Funny this, movies. Yeah, this is pretty high pedigree. And David Zucker, on his own, went on to direct the later installments of the Scary Movie series, which is a little depressing. Yeah. That's a bit like... That's a bit like if Elvis went out as an Elvis tribute act. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those were pretty much straight to DVD, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but another, an interesting fact about David Zucker is that he was a 9-11 Republican. He's somebody who was a Democrat until 9-11. Until he realized that uh, that libtards are... Are just a bunch of cucks who can't satisfy their women. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sorry if we're not getting off on the right foot because we just watched An American Carol and I think we're still in we, a little we just, bit of a We daze. just watched a... Uh, I, mean, some, I mean, this film is, is as malevolent as they <laughs> come. I mean, it's it looks like a kind of a shitty, like comedy that no one would watch which i guess it is uh but you know that then would just go kind of straight to dvd and you know you people would just you know forget about but we're here to keep the memory alive yeah Um, i mean part of me thinks that we're really digging up a corpse just to bury it all over again okay it's the camera on and action he's america's most infamous filmmaker here i am in the island paradise cube totally arrogant i love america That's why it needs to be destroyed. And completely clueless. We're the biggest slave owner in the state. Don't you worry, Master Malone. We got them bacon stains out of the upholstery. This time, he's finally gone too far. We're going to abolish July 4th. We're not shaving till they bring all the troops home. Thank you, boys. They're women. And it will come back to haunt him. Don't hurt me. I've always stood up for gay rights. I'm the angel of freaking death, you turd head. Now, three American spirits... I am General George S. Patton. That will explain a slapping. ...are determined to knock some sense into him. Hey, you're not a spirit. I know. I just enjoy slapping you. And will teach him the true meaning of patriotism. This is the greatest country in the whole wide world. From David Zucker. Mohammed. The master of movie satire. I must use less names. Hussein! God's sake. Comes an outrageous new comedy. It is getting harder and harder to find suicide bombers. And all the really good ones are gone. This is a movie, it's a a right-wing movie. It's kind of an aggregation of a lot of the right-wing talking points of the Bush era. Mm. It came out in 2008, just weeks before the election. In the the twilight of the hated Bush presidency. It came out, like, this is a movie that had it come out in 2004... It wouldn't have been any better, but it at least would have been with the zeitgeist a little more. Yeah. This is a movie that is very much pro-Iraq war and uh, makes the case that all wars are basically equal. Yeah. 
um, and does it with a lot of with a lot of comedy, a bit of a bit of sugar to make the medicine go down. Yeah. So uh, before we get into this, uh, I mean, God, it's just it's a total. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. It's this a is gar- like, it's a garden of this delights. This is like this climbing, climbing Mount Everest. Every single scene has yeah, something this amazing is, in it. This is our Woodstock. Um, <laughs> But, I mean, let's just, you know, give a basic synopsis. I know we're bad at giving just a basic synopsis of the movie because we can never resist the urge to just jump into stuff. (laughs) But, you know, so this is based on, loosely, on A Christmas Carol. It has the format of A Christmas Carol. There's a dopey filmmaker who's who's Michael Malone, who's played by Chris Farley's brother. Yeah, Kevin Farley, uh, which... Right there, that's funny. Uh, Kevin Farley, <laughs> I would say, he doesn't have all of his brother's gifts, but what he... Oh, not quite. But, uh, but what uh, he does is he has this thing that he does with his face where he, like, swerves his neck back and does a confused face. And that's almost as funny as Chris Farley. And he does that, I would say, 500 times in this huh. movie. But anyway... Yeah, and so um, he's approached by some terrorists to, <laughs> who who, uh, who want him to make a film. And, of course, he's a natural candidate to do that since he basically is a terrorist. And Michael Malone makes documentaries that are very much anti-American. They have titles like Die, You Capitalist Pigs. And uh, <laughs> the movie's line of attack on Michael Moore, because this character is essentially Michael Moore. Yeah, he Moore is Michael Moore. Name. Yeah. Their line of attack on him is a bit confused because on the one hand they're saying that he's a danger to the country and he's a radical and he hates America and his his influence is distracting us from fighting the war on terror but they also say that he's a documentary filmmaker and nobody watches documentaries and he's totally irrelevant right it's uh, a little it's a little it's a little confused which is which is weird to say because michael moore at this time was actually making documentaries that people saw but this movie says over and over again oh he makes not documentaries nobody cares yeah i mean they make it sound like nobody comes to them and even though they were hugely commercially successful and they and they made people angry enough to make a stupid film like this in response and so there's a great scene where where two of the terrorists approach him and they tr- they try to trick him into making a documentary for, for them and they say something along the lines of we want you to make a documentary that makes it look like we're winning, uh, which, of course, we aren't. Right. So basically what the movie is saying is, listen, guys, the surge is working. America <laughs> is doing totally well. Michael Moore is totally irrelevant. Nobody goes to see his movies. But at the same time, he's a complete danger to this country. Right, right. And I feel like there's something captured there in like that the conservative mindset, like chest-thumping conservative mindset, it depends on the one hand on this kind of like, we're number one exceptionalism, this chest beating. That's a that's a truth you can't question. And yet at the same time, like there has to be this threat at the same time. And those are kind of two contradictory things. It's like the United States is all powerful, but it's also constantly has to be under threat, uh, both from uh, within and and without. Anyway, we hadn't quite finished the synopsis yet. Oh my so we God, did I'm it sorry. Again. <laughs> uh, you just couldn't resist. I mean, there's not much more. I mean, okay, basically, well, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. So the... Uh, the inciting incident of the film is that Michael Malone, uh, despite being apparently an irrelevant documentary filmmaker who nobody cares about, uh, has enough cachet that he's going to have a rally at Madison Square Gardens that calls for the cancellation of the 4th of July. Right. Because America is bad and... Ni- shouldn't celebrate it. Yeah, and 9-11 was just the chickens coming home to roost, etc. And so he's visited by a, a series of ghosts. Uh, first we see JFK who, despite what you libtards would like (laughs) to think, was actually very pro-war. And I don't know if you know this, but the Vietnam War happened under Kennedy. Mm -hmm. And really, uh, this is kind of a popular thing that they trot out at every political convention. Uh, The idea that 
hey, we didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left us. Right. And of course, the Democrats are now doing exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the DNC parading out all these like Republican luminaries, you know, like Mitt Romney and others to, to denounce Donald Trump. It's like, ah, mm-hmm. the good Republicans. And then anyway. <laughs> uh, Michael Malone is visited by General Patton, played by Frazier himself, Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> uh, and then he's visited by George Washington, played by my man, John Voigt. And finally, the last ghost is played by Trace Adkins, country superstar, mm-hmm. famous around America, but maybe not in places like New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a couple jokes at New York's expense in this movie. And it seemed to me like there was a, a moratorium on New York jokes between about 2001 and maybe 2004 <laughs> when Bush won uh, re-election. Yeah, remember and, they had the RNC in New York in 2004. Right, and uh, and I, after that, all bets were off. Now, it was okay to make fun of New this York. This movie again. has non-stop slams on New York and Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, in fact, in Hollywood, there's a Kevin Sorbo. The movie really pulls out the big guns. Kevin Sorbo appears as a George Clooney-like actor who's sort of a symbol of everything wrong with Hollywood, who made a movie that's clearly based on good night and good luck. Yeah. The argument being that, well, Hollywood liberals will go after things like McCarthyism and slavery, but they won't go after the real problems. Yeah, the terrorists. Yeah, they won't go after jihadists and things that are affecting us now. Uh, I don't know why I'm getting worked up about this like movie that's been totally forgotten. <laughs> so, Th- this this wail from the dying <laughs> the dying embers of the Bush administration produced this film. So okay, so before we get into the real meat, let's just talk about how the film finishes. So because because there's a bit of a you know, I mean just like Ebenezer Scrooge, of course, the Michael Malone character is made to realize the error of his ways. He's made to realize that he's not only complicit in the destruction of the United States, but he's sort of actively mm-hmm. participating in it. So at the end, you know, in this kind of orgy of like, you know, uh, patriotism, he, uh, you know, he comes around at this... Uh, this concert at Madison Square Garden yeah. for the troops mm-hmm. where we see... I, I don't know if it's Trace Atkins is performing on stage. I, I actually can't tell any no. of these country guys apart. No, they call, all sing the same Call, call me a racist, shit. but I cannot tell country singers apart. <laughs> <laughs> but he sings this amazing song that's like, this is the greatest country in the whole wide world. And in the song, he says, we've got the fastest horses, the prettiest girls. We've, we've got, got the army, the navy, and the marines. And or something. this is what makes America great, mm-hmm. right? We've got pretty girls, we've got horses, and we've got a force that will defend them. <laughs> Tomahawk missiles. I can't think of anything uh, else that makes America no. great. Um. <laughs> I think the overriding point that this movie makes about Michael Moore is that it really wants him to be hurt. Like, yeah, physically. Okay. So let's get into this. So <laughs> I think that the key theme of this movie, it's it's... It's this weird fantasy of conservative wish fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And this comes out in a number of ways. So yeah, as you said, we see the Michael Moore character, uh, we see him slapped by John F. Kennedy, we see him trampled on at several uh, moments, we see him thrown out of a window like by Patton by, Patton by throws Patton. him out of a like a 10 story yeah, building after 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 he's been in conference with Neville Chamberlain and Adolf Hitler <laughs> and and he's and he's sort of saying to Hitler like <laughs> we we like we must have done something to offend you just tell us what we need to do surely you have legitimate yeah. grievances yeah <laughs> Uh, we uh, we see uh, I mean we, we see him on stage at one point where people start throwing tomatoes at him and somebody throws an anvil at yeah, his face and that was legitimately funny but that was the only that f- was one of maybe three times yeah. I laughed in this film <laughs> the sickest part is during the Ghost of Christmas Future scene yeah. where a couple of doctors are like digging Michael Malone's body out of the rubble and like they actually have his his severed ass yeah. 
and they put like sparklers on it and, and they're parading it around the room and they put like his hat in the crack yeah and they have tassels on it and like i, I feel like this is this is weird I, I, yeah. I, I've said this before on the podcast, but it is amazing at this point. I mean, in retrospect, Michael Moore wasn't that important no. in the grand scheme of things. But it is amazing. Not only did the right hate him, they actually wanted, they took pleasure in watching him be physically hurt. They wanted him physically hurt. Yeah. And I've heard Michael Moore say in interviews that after 2004, he had about a year or two of, you know, just constantly living under worry of bomb threats mm. and people throwing coffee at him on the street yeah and he he made the point which i think is a relevant one which is that when people like bill o'reilly or rush limbaugh or in this case david zucker make jokes about how much they want to hit michael moore that gets in the head of weird people right yeah i i think now there's an even more violent scene okay on the theme of hang on let's take this movie scene by scene Oh my god, alright. You really want to do this? Well, right. let's take it in like relative order. Let's take okay. it by order of what we see with the ghosts, okay? Okay, well first of all, all right. the, the Bob Cratchit character of this film is uh, <laughs> Michael Malone's nephew, who is a really studly, tall, handsome, cool guy who serves in the Marines, right. I want to say. Yeah, or the Navy or something. Yeah. yeah, and we see him, he's got a Bob Cratchit-like family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and yeah, he's very disappointed in his uncle. Uh, he's kind of the audience surrogate yeah. of the film, I would say. He's yeah. the guy you want to be. Yeah. So the ghost who has the most screen time is Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, by far. Um, he's Yeah, he's in a lot of this movie. Uh, Kelsey Grammer takes Michael Malone basically to a series of a series of tableaus of what the right would perceive as what's wrong with the country at this right. moment. So he takes them to Columbia University. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a bunch of students protesting the war, and uh, this is actually something that I've seen, uh, like Ezra Levant has done this a number of times in sketches for American listeners. He's kind of like, I don't know, he's like a shitty right He's like our Glenn head. Beck, but not yeah. even. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's nobody with like the st- status of Glenn Beck, mm-hmm. but he has the politics and I would say something of the persona as well. Yeah, he's, he has that kind of crackpot persona. Yeah, so I've seen him. I've seen him do this where he tries to expose, like you know, the true nature of like protests where there are people chanting. Where you know he'll say things and then people will say them back to him. You know, just to show that the whole thing is vapid and people don't actually know what they're doing. So you see something like that in the film where the Michael Moore character is trying to chant things and they and the chants get increasingly nonsensical and he mm-hmm. starts saying like you know stop chanting. They're, like they're chanting stop chanting stop yeah, chanting yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And Kelsey Grammer takes him back to um, 1940, and for some reason we're on, we're still on the same college campus, and it's the same, and it's like students, and they're like, you know, keep us out, keep us out of war, or whatever. I think it's hilarious. And they're, they're protesting Roosevelt. Yeah, I think it's hilarious because the United States wasn't involved in the war in 1940, and I get, like I guess it's supposed to be some like isolationist movement or something. But I'm totally I'm unaware of like college campuses being in 1940. Yeah, like, the isolationist movement is not at all comparable century. with the with the anti-war movement. No, it's for the Iraq War. No, it's 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 ridiculous. But then we see another scene at Columbia where even though we've just seen Michael Malone lead a rally of his fans. Uh, Kelsey Grammer leads him into a, to a lecture hall where he says, "Ah, the kids don't care about you. The kid, the kids don't want to see documentaries. They only see your movies because their professors make them." Yeah. And we see all the Columbia professors do a <laughs> do it, a dance sequence about. A, yeah, and they say they say uh, they're like, and you can get extra credit if you're poor, black, or gay. Just remember not to pray. And the and the refrain is, uh, "We still think the same, like it's 1968." 
The president's stupid, our soldiers are thugs The government's dirty, our cops are on drugs But we still like our co-eds with blonde hair and jugs And America's to blame Just like in 1968 Are you kidding? A musical number? Just a little entertainment What kind of a soldier are you? Starting to understand the boots and the whip. 1968. And uh, they it, they were doing the same thing in 1968, and they're doing it now. And uh, yeah, and like there are some weird little digs at campus culture in this movie. So I think the professors, there's a line or two about like mm-hmm. how much sex everybody's having, and there are a couple of sort of ham-fisted, pandering moments for the religious right. Yeah, so there is there's a real um, you know smorgasbord for different strands of like different parts of the Bush coalition. You've got you've got a little bit. We well, got a lot for kind of the neocons. You got stuff for the kind of Christian right, uh, but not a lot. Not a lot. Just and some then you and then you've got you know yeah these little scraps that are thrown to the kind of conservatives that would be like you know uh, you know student culture is too licentious you know the kind of equivalent of uh, the people now who write think pieces about political correctness running amok on campus. And, and I stuff. think pretty clearly David Zucker's heart is with the neocon stuff. Oh yeah, very much mm-hmm. so, and that's why Kelsey Grammer gets so much screen time. Mm-hmm. I, I think the overwhelming thing, though, that the argument that this section of the film makes is that all wars are equal. Yeah. And that if you protest the Iraq War, you're basically protesting World War II. Yeah. If you're anti-war, you're anti the Civil you're War. Anti, you're anti all war. So this movie then uh, has a really despicable scene where Kelsey Grammer takes Michael Moore back to uh, a South. Oh, uh, yeah. God. Where, the, where yeah. the Civil War was not waged. And the southern economy grew because of slavery. Mm-hmm. And in this alternate timeline, Michael Moore, or Michael Malone, yeah. is a plantation owner. He's the, the largest planta- plantation in the South. Yeah. Um, and we see all of Michael Malone's slaves. And there's even a, a really gross like punchline to the scene where we find out that Michael Malone has fathered some yeah. slave children yeah. with... It's- uh, I mean, this is really, I mean, this is, uh, uh, like, defamatory. It's pretty I mean, despicable, yeah. you know, the implica- them implying that Michael Moore would have been a slave owner had... Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, Like, what do you even say about it? What the hell is this? Your home, Maloneville, Alabama. I live in Alabama? Didn't you hear? Around 1860, all the good jobs started to move south. After the Civil War? There was no Civil War. Lincoln agreed with you. War was not the answer. Saved 600,000 American lives. Well, that's good. Good move for the economy here, too. What? Why? Cheap labor. Matthew Malone! Matthew Malone! I had the boys polish up your trophies like you told us. Polish my trophies? You know, I ain't know they gave away awards for a documentary. You know, for your information, wait a minute. Who are these people? You're the biggest slave owner in the state. Master Malone! You ain't recognize me? I was Master! What? 
Oh, this can't be happening. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a really vile scene, and it's not even the most vile scene in the movie. Well, basically, so. what the the implication of the scene is that Michael Moore is just an opportunist. I think I think if I'm giving it credit, that's the implication of the scene. He's an opportunist who will just cap- capitalize on whatever comes his way. Yeah, there's a, which there's, is not true. Yeah, I mean, it's like there's a strand in running through American history mm-hmm. that represents people who are just you know they're too they're too they're too weak to be patriots, and they. And they undermine the country at every turn by mm. through their uh, their sheer weakness. But yeah, know? let's get to the sexual yeah. pathology part because this part's uh, you, you enjoyed this. Let's do this. Yeah. So I mean, liberals let, are a bunch of cucks. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he he goes. So I don't remember why he. It's like he's taken back to his childhood, right? That's what happened. Kelsey Grammer said, "How did you become this way? Was it a girl?" Right. And then so you see him, and he's you know they find some like dopey kid who I guess they put in a fat suit or something to play him as a kid. And he knocks on the door of this, like, very pretty all-American girl who, you know, in the flashback is attracted to him until he says that he's not going off to join the military. He's going off to to make the ultimate sacrifice and go to film school. And then, you know, uh, he says, you'll wait for me, won't you? And she says, yeah, sure. And then, you know, you see Kelsey Grammer and Michael Moore sitting on the stairs. Michael Malone. Uh, <laughs> let's let's just say they're interchangeable from now on, because yeah. um, they are. So they're sitting on the stairs, and Kelsey Grammer says, "But she didn't wait, did she?" And then you see this. There's this new knock at the door, and she turns up the door. Uh, you know, this beautiful all-American girl, and there's like some really svelte marine standing there, and she's like, "I love a man in uniform." So this is the reason that you should become a conservative, yeah. is, is because because <laughs> girls love conservatives. So you know, then then there's like this couple, like this marine and this girl, like make out on screen for like a really long time, like far more than is necessary, and yeah, that's the explanation for why you know Michael Moore. I know, and then you see him, he's outside their wedding, he's picketing their wedding. Yeah. Like, they're, like, they drive off, you know, on their for their honeymoon or whatever, uh, and there's all these, like, really beautiful, like, photogenic all-American people mm-hmm. celebrating, uh, you know, this uh, consecrated sexual union, and then little dopey Michael Moore is standing there with a sign that says, like, stop war. And because, of course, of no course, one pays attention no to him. No one pays attention to him. Why would they? He yeah. makes documentaries. And here it is again. It's like he's both, he's both like, symptomatic of, like, the decline of American manhood or something. But then also, like, you know, nobody cares about him. There's also a scene where Michael Moore gets an award from an organization called, what's it called? M- MoveAlong.org. Like Move yeah. Uh, where he, in, in a, in a uh, subtle reference to... Uh, <laughs> so he's presented with an award by Paris Hilton playing herself, I swear to God. She presents him with the Lenny Riefenstahl Award, and there's a 30-second vignette where they explain who Lenny Riefenstahl is, I guess because the audience for this film is too fucking stupid to know. But but it it basically says that Lenny Riefenstahl by, by, with her manipulative lack of documentary (laughs) ethics remind you of anyone? Yeah. uh, Helped cause the Holocaust. Uh, Yeah, and like, so basically there's... And basically all documentary filmmakers are the same. It's, I mean, it's insane. So yeah, this is yet again, the film is kind of saying that, you know, like, I mean, right before that, um... After he gets his award, they're like, we're now cutting to the televised part of the award ceremony or whatever. Yeah, so so documentaries so like, have the power to cause the Holocaust, but at the same time, nobody wants them. Yeah. <laughs> and and we, have a, we see a scene where Michael Malone is having dinner with his agent, played by James Woods, the people's favorite. <laughs> and... And Michael Malone is complaining because he's looking at Variety and he says, but my movie's not even in the top 10. What happened? And James Wood says, the people who would watch your movies don't go to the movies. 
which first of all is ironic because nobody went to see an American Carol. Yeah. And secondly, people were going to see Michael Moore's movies. Yeah, I mean, there's another scene where he's complaining when when the terrorists start making their film. He he complains. He's like, you know, this isn't the kind of movie that like people would go see. Like, I, you know, my you know, my movies are made for like serious moviegoers, women over sixty. And it's like, again, they, they're trying to play with this idea that it's like some little minority that goes to see Michael Moore's yeah. films. But he, uh, he's powerful enough to lead a rally at Madison Square yeah, Garden. Yeah, it's just, it's all it's all over the place. I'm not sure if we're missing anything. Oh, uh, in the plantation scene. Oh, there, there's a lot more. <laughs> in the plantation scene, there's a cameo by Gary Coleman. Oh, God. So that's all you need to know. Uh, there's a cameo by Bill O'Reilly when Mike, Michael Malone goes on Billy, Bill O'Reilly's show, along with a Rosie O'Donnell impersonator. Oh, God. Who, her, her name is cleverly changed to Rosie O'Connell. Wow. And basically, Rosie O'Connell is depicted as kind of a ranting leftist who talks about how jet fuel can't melt steel beams and all that. <laughs> and Bill O'Reilly says to Michael Malone, sure, she's wacky, but nobody takes her seriously. But you, Michael Malone... Mm-hmm. You have an influence. That's what makes you dangerous. <laughs> and then uh, at a later scene, so Billy, Bill O'Reilly actually makes uh, 1.5 cameos in this movie. But that's right. He's digitally superimposed <laughs> into a later scene. <laughs> yeah, he's digitally superimposed into a, into a scene shot in a portable washroom where Kelsey Grammer and JFK are standing there. And then what looks like a sort of hologram of Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> and, 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 and Michael Moore says to him, what are you doing here? You're not a ghost. And he's like, no, I just wanted to punch you in the face yeah. or something. <laughs> Good stuff. Let's get to the the ghost of Christmas present, which is uh, George Washington, played by John Voight. Fun behind-the-scenes fact about this movie. John Voight is apparently so right-wing that he actually thought this script was not harsh enough on Michael Moore. Wow. And he actually kind of scared the filmmakers because <laughs> he's that radical. But John Voight's only in this movie for about two minutes, and he... He meets Michael Malone at the, that cathedral near the World Trade Center um, that's covered in ash. And they look at the wreckage of the Twin Towers across the street. And, and it's kind of like, you did this. Yeah. Yeah, basically, because you aided and abetted the terrorists. And then Michael Moore gets hit in the head with a bell. Yeah. And yeah, scene. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, um, then, and then we meet the ghost of Christmas future, who is Trace Adkins. Right. And, uh, and is that what leads to the scene with the, the shootout? I'm kind of, I'm getting, I've already met, muddled the chronology. Uh, my, oh, okay. Because I feel like we've got to talk we, about we that. We've got to talk about that. So I think to me, this is the most fucked up thing in the movie. <laughs> um, you know, we talked about, you know, thematically, we've talked about how this film is is sort of a, you know, it's the cons- it's conservative id. It's like late period Bush conservative id. Uh, it's wish fulfillment. And what could be more wish fulfillment than a facsimile of George S. Patton literally gunning down ACLU activists? Mm-hmm. And the only thing that there's kind of this thin, they inoculate themselves against, you know, how obviously ugly that is by the ACLU activists are depicted as zombies. Right. And, so oh, and Dennis Hopper appears as the judge. Right. So it's in a courtroom and, uh, and yeah, Kelsey Grammer and others are, are shooting people. And at one point, Kelsey Grammer, they go down into the subway. <laughs> Kelsey Grammer, uh, he's got a shotgun and he shoots, he shoots somebody and he's like, enjoy your privacy rights in hell. What's going on? Sons of bitches. Get the hell out of this courtroom. ACLU, they come around every now and then. No listening in on terrorist calls. 
Be nice to Al-Qaeda. Read them their rights. Separation of church and state. I'll tell you one thing about the young dead. They are relentless. Gun control. That gets them a little riled up, too. Ah, I think we can use a little gun control right about now. Tell them to them. Yeah, it's it's like it's insane. What do like, you even say? He blows two people up with uh -huh. like some heavy firearm. And then yeah. he says that someone could. Someone and you're could supposed say that. to. And you're supposed to just be like, yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, he's way better than the terrorists. Yeah, I mean it's it's amazing. And yeah, and you see them. They're chipping away at the Ten Commandments, which are up in the courtroom for some reason. Oh yeah. Um, and that's pretty disingenuous on David Zucker's part. I don't yeah. think I don't think he cares about that. No. The ghost of Christmas future shows a world where Islamic fundamentalists have taken over Michael Malone's beloved Hollywood and the Hollywood sign is replaced by Alu Akbar. Mm -hmm. And it says, and then there's a sign that says uh, Victoria's Burqa. As opposed to Victoria's Secret. Yeah. Uh, and you know, so, and that's pretty much, that's the way they've chosen to represent what an America conquered by, you know, the iron grip of Sharia law would look like is that, you know, uh, we're, we're not going to be able to see women in, like, thongs on, right. on billboards. You, yeah, that, that's what you it speaks to, libtard cocks yeah, it want speaks for to, us. It speaks to the uh, the underlying sexual pathology that is this whole movie. Weirdly basically. enough, uh, <laughs> capitalism, which they love so much, seems to be uh, going you know just fine i mean yeah. basically all that's changed with capitalism is that somebody put a burqa on the victoria's yeah. secret model <laughs> <laughs> everything else seems fine so okay so have we are there any other scenes that we've missed uh i don't think so michael <laughs> malone learns the error of his ways there's a rockin' country uh jamboree where trace atkins sings we are the greatest country in the whole wide world yeah i mean and you know we should say like you know the plot of this film is basically cursory i mean so leslie nielsen is ostensibly telling some kids oh, this yeah. story and that's kind of the construct of the film right. he is to this movie as bella lugosi is to glenn or glenda yeah <laughs> It's a bit of an insular reference for you guys. Um, Pretty close to uh, uh, Leslie Nielsen's death as well. Yeah, and you know, it's a shame to see him go out this way after, yeah. you know, and also in a film that looks like, you know, that has the aesthetic of a movie like Airplane or Naked Gun, but without any of the charm. That's what's so weird about this movie. This movie, like, it doesn't look bad. It looks like kind of a standard, yeah. uh, average Hollywood comedy. Mm. It's just weird to have all this kind of crackpot right-wing shit in what looks like a standard comedy yeah i mean and we should say i mean this film is really not at all funny like there's nothing yeah. good about it i mean we had a, a minor chuckle when the michael moore character got hit by what was obviously a plastic anvil yeah. i mean that's how rock bottom this was uh -huh. and like beneath the pretty thin facade of comedy like this is just a really ugly stupid movie mm -hmm. and i was trying to imagine what the person who this is directed at would would be like mm -hmm. like i'm trying to imagine the person who watches this and goes this film's for me a problem with this movie is that it tries to be all things to all people um right i mean it's not it's not really just a neocon movie it's not it, it's trying to capture all uh, parties of the right wing. Yeah, and I mean, not to give it too much credit, but I do think it does that rather successfully. I mean, uh, it, it's a it's a testament to how the Bush coalition actually managed to hold these these things yeah, together. That's true. But basically, because only because of this like artificial injection of life they got from the war on terror and, and helped like exacerbate through nine eleven and the Iraq War and the and the broader war on terror. That's what was kind of keeping it all together. Mm -hmm. And we see that united 
in this final scene in the film where, you know, all the Marines and then also kind of you see representations of like Union soldiers uh, and, uh, you know, soldiers from the Second World War and re- and like Rev- Minutemen and all that stuff. You know? And Michael Malone waves to his nephew as he's going off on the boat to fight the war and... Uh, the nephew says, we're going to win, basically. Mm. And it just reminds me of, it reminds me of uh, the end of Yankee Doodle Dandy to talk about an old movie where, mm. like, Jimmy Cagney is marching with all the troops as they're about to go off to war, you know, over there, <laughs> over there. It's like, yeah, fuck, we're going to go win this war. Yeah. Uh, except it's 2008 and it's the waning days of the Bush administration. And, like, even a lot of the right wing at this point is conceding that the Iraq war was a mistake. Yeah. And I mean, we see him, he ends up in Afghanistan. I mean, that's the, like, he, he, he says, what can I do now? Yeah. And he goes off to help the troops and he's serving them soup in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And then he says, you know, maybe I'll make films about all the good things in America. What and as Leslie that? Nielsen says in, in his narration, it turns out people wanted to see movies about what's good about America. Yeah. Unlike, you know, Bowling for Columbine, which we all know tanked at the box yeah. office. Um, yeah. And Fahrenheit 9-11. I love this idea that uh, Hollywood is just this kind of monolithic uh, left-wing indoctrination tank. Because I would say, you know, most Hollywood movies are culturally liberal only in the sense that, you know... Well, they're they're produced by sort of somewhat educated, like, cosmopolitan type people that live on the east or the west coast. Yeah, but it's not like any of them... I mean, a lot of the action movies are sort of center-right conservative. And most other movies are... I mean, are just bland and like yeah. apolitical. Yeah. But I mean, this is totally a meme on the right. Um, I mean, I'll share a story about in, I guess, 2014 when I went to, I think it was 2014, the Manning Center Conference, which, for those who don't know, is kind of the biggest gathering of movement conservatives in Canada every single year. And I've been twice, and it really is an absolute delight. Um, you know, I mean, in all seriousness, it's yeah. very interesting. It's sometimes it's a delight in the ironic sense. Um, and uh, that was certainly the case uh, with the story I'm going to tell you, which was the first panel I went to was it was kind of called something like retaking the narrative, you know, how conservatives can win hearts and minds or something, um, paraphrasing. But so the panelist was this really kind of type A American documentary filmmaker who made right wing films who just sounded like he was on Red Bull and kind of crushed a bunch of like began his days by crushing a bunch of vitamins and eggs into a cup and then just drinking it all like so insanely energetic i mean his premise was kind of i mean in the abstract was a good one and george lakoff has been telling democrats the same thing for like 30 years which is that you don't win on ideas you win on emotion Mm. so don't don't you know don't try to make your case by showing people charts and graphs that's secondary and he was saying you know as, as conservatives i know we love facts you know, I know we'll show people charts and graphs. And he's like, no, 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 but you see the left, they have heroes. And, he's, and he, set, he appeals to the audience. Who are some heroes? People start like, like Matt Damon, like <laughs> Dr. Seuss. And it's like, this wasn't a joke. This was like, this is people are naming off Steven Spielberg. They're naming off all these just like totally sort of norm core, mm-hmm. you know, Hollywood figures and Dr. Seuss, which was hilarious. Uh, he went on a big rant. The Lorax. He went on a big rant about the Lorax yeah. later. He called it. With no irony, uh, you know, vile propaganda for children, <laughs> which was amazing. But so he he kept talking about how you know Hollywood, it's a hotbed along just like all the campuses in this country. It's a hotbed for left wing radicalism. He's like, look at the way that 
films, you know, they never, there are never films about good oil company executives. That's something you'll never see from liberal Hollywood or whatever. And uh, my, my travel companion who was at the conference with me, he stood up and asked the guy, what, what, you know, what do you make of the fact that George Lakoff has been telling American liberals exactly what you're telling them for like three decades? And the guy just wouldn't even engage with the question. He was just like, that's ridiculous. Like, liberals control everything, you know. And he used liberals and the left interchangeably, which is another sort of meme on the right. They never seem to... That's what I come away from every Manning conference thinking, is they don't really seem to understand that there's any difference or that there are even kind of ideological shades to the left of them. Anyway, this rant about Hollywood was just so over the top and ridiculous. And so his kind of countermeasure to it was we need to have conservative heroes... And they need to be, like, little guys that, that people can sympathize with. So one of the films that he'd made was this movie about food trucks in, like, Seattle or something. And, you know, his it was the story of, of these immigrant entrepreneurs who were taking on cowardly politicians who were in the pockets of, like, Big Taco and, like, <laughs> the, and the restaurant industrial complex. And, yeah, the implication is, you know, you can win on hearts and minds, which is what Hollywood does through these, you know incredibly socialist films like you know the born identity and uh saving private ryan and and whatever else so the hollywood thing is really funny well as we've seen tonight the right has no shortage of heroes <laughs> an upcoming movie called american carol opens october 3rd in about 2,000 theaters all across the country film is a spoof of the far left focusing on michael moore played by kevin farley the late chris farley's brother the movie was directed by David Zucker, who made the airplane and naked gun satires, and I, your humble correspondent, am in it. Here's a preview. I, I want to talk a little more, just maybe to close it up, about the context in which this film came out. Mm. Um, because, like, sure, it was the dying days of the Bush presidency, but what it captures, I think, is, broadly speaking, kind of the response that the American right had to... Democrats to any kind of like even soft anti-war, you know, mm -hmm. liberals. I mean, there was a really good piece uh, by Brendan James in Slate this week where he interviewed Cindy Sheehan and he was talking and you know, she was talking rather about, you know, how much, you know, the bullying she got, the threats, the way Fox News demonized her. It was really, really ugly. And all this happened in the context of, you know, the Republicans controlling the presidency, controlling both houses of Congress, having a majority on the U.S. Supreme Court. And I just think that's incredible. And I think that perhaps that uh, gives us some insight into the context of why Michael Moore kind of mattered at the time. Mm -hmm. Is because they just couldn't, they couldn't handle the, the, I mean, even though I feel one, like one of our big theses with him is that his criticisms are kind of tepid and we have a lot of problems with them and he doesn't represent kind of an adequate like response to conservatism at all. Mm -hmm. And yet I feel like the fact that they were at like the peak of, power electorally speaking and in many ways ideologically speaking you know and yet michael moore came along and made these films it's that like weird paradoxical dynamic that explains why they hate him so much even though it's kind of weird that you know that they do and that's why they want to see him like thrown out of windows and trampled <laughs> and punched in the face and there's stuff. there's a good part in that scene with james woods when michael malone is talking about how he wants to make like a feature fiction film and he says he's got a script called fascist america <laughs> and he says it manages to be against everything that america stands for with, without being explicitly anti-american <laughs> and i just like the idea that uh, the implication is that michael moore is against everything american stands mm -hmm. for 
But but what does that mean? I yeah. mean, who sets the agenda of what America stands for? Yeah, and it's true. I, and I mean, I think that's one of the big issues in kind of political rhetoric is how do you, mm-hmm. I mean, because everybody's contesting, everybody believes that their politi- set of political values mm-hmm. kind of is what, you know, represents kind of the authentic national ethos in some way. And of course, there's like fighting over that all the time. Well, that makes me excited for next week's film. Because we're watching a movie that I've never seen and only recently heard of <laughs> called This Divided State, oh which was made in 2004. And I think chronicles, at least a, a significant part of it, is chronicling Michael Moore's Slacker Uprising tour, mm-hmm. which will be familiar to any oh longtime God. listener of this podcast. I'm interested in seeing this one because the title of it implies that it's one of those kind of like aspiring to be post-partisan. I hope so. It's the divided rhetoric on both sides. Because I feel like even though that's come up in previous films, we've yet to see the definitive take in that vein. I would like one that is the centrist manifesto. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we really don't know much about this film, but hopefully uh, we're going to get it. But until next week, we're going to leave you with music to conceive your next child to. Enjoy. This is the greatest country in the whole wide world The fastest horses, the prettiest girls We got the army, the navy, air force and marines The finest fighting force the world's ever seen We're the kind of people that get things done No doubt about it, folks, we're still number one We got the nerve, we got the will We are all together and you know that we are still America Yeah, I know the sun is rising on a better day